one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. Hello and welcome to another episode of Holy Half Hour. It is an amazing Christian entertainment podcast chock full of songs, quizzes, games, chat and Bible facts. This week we have the book of Micah that we are looking into and uh, more important than any of that, it's also chock full of my good friend and co-host Kieran. How are you my friend? Oh, shucks, Michael. I don't know what to say. And also with you. I am well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. It's just like that. It's just like that moment in church where they tell you to speak to your neighbor. You just don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. What's your name again? Yeah, I know you've been coming here for the last 10 years, but uh, what's your name again? Exactly. Um, there's nothing more British than being awkward at that moment in church and when someone gives you a compliment. Those are two, mm, mm. As, as British as a cup of tea, Kieran, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, enough awkwardness. We've got a lot of fun to fit into this week's show. I'm really excited what you're going to make of my game today, Kieran. But uh, Can't wait. Let's do it. Okay, Kieran, this week's quiz I am calling Monk E-Business. And uh, I think you're going to like it. Um, unfortunately, it? though, it's not about monkeys. So, mm. don't know how is it about monks? About is it about monks doing online trading? <laughs> it is about <laughs> monks, but it's not anything to do with trading, especially not okay. with uh, uh, cryptocurrency, because that's uh, that's no well, that's it's, going it's nowhere bad. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, seems so. But, uh, Kieran, do you know what the rule of Benedict is? Well, if I had to guess, Michael, I'd say it's your handbook for being a Benedictine monk. Your, Absolutely correct, Your yes. uh, Your tell-all guide, your one-stop shop for the life of a Benedictine <laughs> monk. I've never uh, read it myself, but I'm fascinated to know what's in there. Uh, well, you're missing out, Kieran, you're missing out. But don't worry, because I have been reading it this week in preparation for this quiz. And uh, the Benedictine, uh, or officially the Order of St. Benedict Monk, are a monastic religious order of the Catholic Church. They follow the rule of St. Benedict, which I have a copy of right here. It was written in 516, Kieran, and the order mm -hmm. was formed in 529. And what I have done is I have six of the rules of St. Of Benedict, or from the, from the rule of Benedict. And um, basically three of them are real and three of them are fake. I have made them up. Um, however, the, the headings are all real. So, for example, <clears throat> the first one is called, is the heading is the proper amount of food. So that is actually the heading that it comes under in the rule of Benedict. But whether or not the text that follows is real is what you have to ascertain. So the right. heading is real, but I've made up some of the, the actual texts. And uh, there are six questions here, Kieran. And uh, again, because I get a bit nervous about which ones are real and which ones are fake, I'm using a random number generator to decide the order I read them out in. So you might get three real ones, three fake ones in that okay. order. Who knows? No game uh, theory. So yeah, no game theory. So yeah, your job is to decide if this is really in the rule of Benedict, whether it's actually required of the Benedictine monks. Does that make sense? 
It does. All right. Well, like I said, the first one is the proper amount of food. And it says this. Overindulgence must be avoided above all things to prevent any monk suffering from indigestion. For there is nothing so inappropriate for a Christian as overindulgence. Mm-hmm. Now, Kieran, I should add, I forgot to add, uh, I haven't, some of these entries are very long and I've taken the best parts or, you know, shortened. Yeah. So they're, it's not the full uh, rule of the proper amount of food. That's just a section of oh, it okay. if I haven't okay. made it up. So yeah, just to give you some context. So yeah, overindulgence must be avoided above all things to prevent any monk suffering from indigestion, for there is nothing so inappropriate for a Christian as overindulgence. Is this a real part of the uh, rule of St. Benedict, or did I make it up, Kieran? Well, I'd be surprised if there wasn't something in the How to Be a Monk handbook about not stuffing your face. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it's real, Michael. I I think it's quite plausible. Yeah, let's take a look. Mm. Ah, you are correct, sir. Well done. Okay, here's number two, and uh, it is under the heading Mistakes in the Oratory. And it says this. If anyone makes a mistake in reciting a psalm or reading and does not make reparation humbly in front of everyone, he should be punished more severely for refusing to correct by humility the mistake he made through carelessness. If a child makes a mistake of this kind, he should be brought aside, shown his mistake, and allowed to make amends at the next opportunity. Hmm. What do you think, Kieran? Mistakes in the oratory. More well, severe punishments if you don't immediately admit and humbly uh, make reparation in front of everybody. Well, I can I can see some logic to that sequence if punishing people for making a mistake is a thing that they do. But mm. it feels a little bit... And I don't want to get into, you know, dissing the Benedictine monks here, Michael, mm. Uh, mm-hmm. if this is a real one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know, that just seems a little bit harsh, maybe. Mm. Uh, I understand that the life of a, mon- of a monk is harsh. But, mm. uh, you know, there's yeah. something about this, uh, you know, p- picking up on mistakes in that way that I feel like maybe maybe that's not the how, how they do. So I'm going to say it's not real. All right. Let's take a look. Ah, oh. you're correct. Wow. It was not real. However, you were right for the wrong reason. Because the actual rule reads, the first part was real. And then it says, <laughs> but if a child makes a mistake of this kind... He should be beaten. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I changed the uh, the beating uh, of the children part of the of the rule. Right. But right. Well, I'm with way, you. I'm I'm right, with so. your revised version. I have to say. Um, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Mm. Okay. Um, speaking of beating young people, is this real? Correction of the young. Each age and level of understanding ought to have an appropriate measure of discipline. And so when an offence is committed by boys or young people or those who are unable to understand how severe a punishment excommunication is, they should either be punished by means of severe fasting or chastised with harsh beatings to cure them. Well, based on the last one, I mean, and now I think all bets are off. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think this, I think this could be real. I'm going to say probably yes. 
All right, let's take a look. Yes, you are correct, mm. Kieran. More beating of children wherever possible. Um, but that's not what I believe. Uh, yes. Well done. <laughs> let's <laughs> so, be clear about that, listeners. You are three for three, and you need to get no more correct for a draw in any one of these next three, and you will be a winner, sir. So, mm. And p potentially, possibly ready to uh, become a Benedictine monk. So, uh, bonus prize for you there at the end. This um, is also the entrance exam. Great. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is called the observance of Lent, Kieran. And it says this. As the life of a monk ought at all times to be Lenten in observances, a monk need only renew his focus on the Lord, his prayers, service, and daily abstinences. So the rule of Benedict saying, therefore, that you don't necessarily need to do any special observance in Lent because basically being a monk is constant Lent all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that seems reasonable. It's Lent all the way down if you're a monk. Every day is Lent day in, in the monastery. I mean, that, What's for that breakfast? seems... It's Lent. <laughs> yeah, it's Lent. <laughs> what are we doing today? Lent. Um... I I mean, that seems plausible, and yet, and yet, Michael, mm -hmm. my my Benedictine monk sense is tingling. Oh, I really? think maybe maybe this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> so just on a whim, I'm going to say, nah, I don't I don't think this one's true. All right, well, let's take a look. Oh, you're right, Kieran. <laughs> it is indeed fake. You're good at this. You're in danger of becoming a Benedictine monk at this rate. Well, um, it's, it's going to be a close call, isn't it? Uh, the actual, I won't read the actual entry, but basically, whilst it does start to by saying that their lives must should be Lenten in observances at all times, that that's not really possible and that they should have a renewed effort to pray more earnestly, fast more diligently, etc., etc. So they still mm. have to do Lent. Um, right. So once well, again, it turns out to be more strict than, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, they don't tend to be too self-congratulatory. Um, no. So that's, that's a good <laughs> no. sign. Once every um, few weeks, have a day off. That's rule number <laughs> 376. There's quite a lot about silence, though, and uh, sometimes that appeals to me, I'm not going to lie. Um, what are you this trying to heading... say? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, no, not at all. Uh, the, the assignment of impossible tasks to a brother, Kieran, is the heading of this. And it says this. <laughs> impossible tasks. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> if a brother happens to be given difficult or impossible things to do, he should accept the command in complete humility and obedience shouldering the burden of the task patiently until the person in charge observes that the task is beyond a brother's strength to accomplish alone. So, if you're given something impossible to do, you have to do your best until someone notices and lends you a hand or changes the task. What do wow. you think, Kieran? Wow. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, so far... The Benedictine monks have sort of smashed all my expectations for behavior, really. So I, I really don't know. Um, but again, it just feels like it feels slightly implausible, even for the Benedictine monks. So I'm mm. going to say, nah. 
All right. Let's do nah, that Brother Benedict. <laughs> Pass. I won't do the impossible task. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, Kieran, you're on fire tonight. Um, yep, that one is fake. In fact, the real, uh, the real rule is something like uh, tell the person in charge as humbly as possible that it's not possible to do the task. Um, so yeah, mm. they they're okay. they're not they're okay. not ones for wasting time on impossible tasks. Which leads us to the final one, Kieran. Can you clean sweep the Benedictine monkey business quiz? And it is headed the proper amount of drink. Is this <laughs> zero? <laughs> <laughs> we read that wine is not a suitable drink for monks, but since but since monks nowadays cannot be persuaded of this. Let us at least agree to drink sparingly and not to excess, because wine causes even sensible people to behave foolishly. Hmm. What I guess think? these guys aren't based at Buckfast Abbey. <laughs> I don't know who uh, if the ben, if uh, it was Benedictine Abbey originally at Buckfast. I'd have to. I'll have to Google it. Was it ever a real abbey, or was it always just like this fake thing, and it was just made by some brewery in Glasgow? Yeah. I have absolutely no idea, to be honest. It may have just been they 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 bought a monastery and made it a brewery. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> know nothing about the history that. of that drink. I must say, um, yeah, listeners, if you don't know what Buckfast is, it's a it's a, a very sweet fortified wine, popular in Scotland. Well, mm-hmm. popular is generous. It's drank by some people in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We there's a perhaps a stereotype that we all drink it all the time, which is mm. untrue. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's around. You see it here yeah, and there. Absolutely. Well, Kieran, what do you think? Shall I read it again or do you remember what, what it was? Since monks are going to have a little tipple anyway, mm. let's just try and drink in moderation. That's the gist. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, that just seem, that seems too lenient for what I've learned mm. about the Benedictine monks. I just feel like they wouldn't allow that. They'd be like, no. Uh, yeah. Zero alcohol, zero tolerance on alcohol. Uh, so again, I, I think probably probably it's not true. All right, let's take a look. Can you get the clean sweep, Kieran? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh man. Oh, unlucky. That one was in fact real and uh, mm. really relieving for me because I put a lot of work into this quiz, Kieran. So <laughs> if you could just get one wrong for me, please, that'd be great. <laughs> And probably also a relief for you, because it actually means that you don't have to become a, a Benedictine monk, which you would have had to do if you'd gotten all six right. So well, I don't yeah. know if that was what you, yeah. the direction you felt your life going, so I don't want to speak for you. But uh, you Well, know. I was worried that I might have no choice if I aced yeah. the quiz. So, you know, in a way, I'm kind of relieved. Yeah, um, you literally hey, wouldn't guess... have. They would just, they would just come, come for you in the night. are they also ninjas that would be great (laughs) yeah exactly yeah exactly but uh but don't worry because uh not only will you not be accosted by ninja monks and forced into into their order but uh, you also honored my hard work by getting one wrong so thank you (laughs) (laughs) great quiz man great quiz thank you Unlikely worship songs. Unlikely. Okay, Kieran, uh, last week you promised me a part two 
to the Jonah Unlikely Worship song, which I'm really excited to, to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, are new here, Kieran each week writes as an unlikely worship song, uh, which is, uh, you know, a song that you're not likely to hear in church. It might be about a, a story you don't, don't hear about much. It might be dealing with some unusual Christian stuff, or it might just be very silly. Um, so what's it going to be this week, Kieran? The last one, the last one, always the last one. <laughs> Well, Michael, when we left our hero Jonah last week, our, our anti-hero maybe, mm. as a complex character that Jonah, uh, he was in the belly of a, or he was about to be swallowed by a fish. And I did a little song last week, listeners, in case you haven't heard it, about Jonah being thrown overboard on the boat to Tarshish and ending up mm. inside the belly of some kind of fish. So that is where we pick up here, Michael. And this is uh, this week is a sort of um, like reimagining Jonah's prayer in the belly of the fish in a sort of like, in a musical, basically. Mm. This is meant to be like something from a musical. It's kind of That's what I was exciting. going for here. So sort of, sort of uh, hopefully a slightly more contemporary take on uh, on on this prayer uh, with very little resemblance to the original. I will add that caveat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so have a listen, see what you think. I will do. Um, I will do. Here we go. And you, you might see a particular theme emerge. <laughs> All right, let's give it a listen. Once I was a prophet, everything was going great. Till I got scared and ran away, I tried to escape my fate. And now I'm here in the belly of a fish, alone with my regret. There is just one thing I wish, Lord, grant me this request. Bring me up, regurgitate my life. Up, chuck me onto dry land so that I can make things right. Hurl me into the future in a projectile stream of faith. Feel the heaving of tomorrow Up comes a brand new day Oh, here we go <laughs> Oh, very good, Kieran You've never worked what with thesaurus so hard, have you? Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely <laughs> Be careful what you pray for That's the, the moral of that story uh, That's great I didn't, I mean... If you think about it, there really are a lot of words for throwing up, but until you hear them all in one song, mm. yeah, yeah, well, you just don't you don't appreciate the art that goes into into I, the English language. Personally, Michael, I I I feel like the uh, the biblical text doesn't spend enough time on the fact that Jonah gets thrown up by a whale. <laughs> I would have liked maybe a, a paragraph or so on that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what a thing to witness! You know, imagine seeing that happen. I mean, unbelievable. I think, I mean, if anything, it'd be nice if if more people subsequent to Jonah referred to it, you know. If we could get a mention of Jonah in every book in the New Testament, for example, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of, uh, there could be a lot, they really miss an opportunity, you know. Yeah, well. It could like just like the 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 story of uh, the Israelites leaving Egypt. Exactly. Perhaps there could have been a time in the year to recite the story of Jonah being puked up onto the beach. Yeah, exactly. 
instead of you know instead of light and salt it could have been light and bile you know <laughs> if vomit lo loses its bileiness then it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown up and trampled under yeah <laughs> as as a whale returns to its vomit so fools are caught in their folly as proverb says uh excellent kieran um uh, well, I, can't, I feel kind of sad. Uh, that I suspect it, that we're not... Are we getting a Jonah Part 3 next week? or? Um... Well, you never know. It might not be next week. It might be five weeks from now for no reason. You know what I'm like. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the next part will come whenever I, whenever inspiration strikes. So, <laughs> so look out well, for that, folks. Until then, we'll keep on working on those, uh, those synonyms for vomit here. <laughs> <laughs> See that you do. Send them in, listeners. <sighs> Michael and Kieran. Okay, Kieran, it's time for our roaming segment, our quiz segment, which changes each week. And um, this week I thought we'd do another kazoo track where I kazoo a worship song to you, and you have to mm -hmm. guess which one it is. But uh, I thought I would change up the, uh, the CCLI top 100 list that we're using. And I thought it might be interesting to use the the top 100 worship songs of all time, Kieran. So uh, wow. all you have to do is choose a number between 1 and 100. Hopefully I will know the song. I will kazoo it to you. You say stop when you think you know it. And uh, if you're playing at home, listeners, you see if you can guess it quicker than Kieran can. So Kieran, the top 100 of all time, what number would you like? Well, Michael, since we are on book number 33 this week in our quest through the whole Bible. I want to go with song number 33. All right. Well, give me a moment to find it and uh, we'll mm -hmm. see how we get on. Okay, Kieran, the 33rd most uh, top, the toppermost, the toppest, the top of the... <laughs> I like toppermost. Tippity topper. Um, <laughs> the 33rd song on the top 100 uh, Christian songs of all time, according to CCLI, is pretty obvious so you better be quick listeners at home are you ready <laughs> yes stop oh so quick i didn't even stop when you said stop you said stop so fast <laughs> well kieran what's that song well uh michael i believe it's in christ alone we yeah. yes indeed absolute Christ classic alone. it's a banger as they say i never tire of that song it's so good it really is one of my favorite favorite worship songs it is a very good one although i must confess that i had it in my set list for sunday that i just led worship last week and uh it did get axed i'm afraid <laughs> here and so <laughs> what uh what did it get axed in favor of i'm curious uh, were, we, were you just one too many uh, no, I got axed in favor of Cornerstone, which uh, mm. again is is a is a is a regularly played song, but uh, it just felt a little bit more mm. appropriate for what we were doing at the time. Not that In Christ Alone isn't a great song, obviously it is. I'm a big fan of Christ the Solid Rock, from which on which Cornerstone is based. Have you heard that mm. hymn? No, I don't. Think it's so. so good, so good. It's really kind of bouncy and upbeat as well for That's a hymn. Cool. And uh, yeah, I recommend it. I'll, I'll give it a listen and also be sure not to use it in a future hmm segment because I know you'll know the answer. So. <laughs> mm, yeah, good, good call. Good call. 
But good work, Kieran. You got that one super fast, so well done. The top, 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 top three, three, three. Okay, Kieran, it's time for this week's top three. As ever, I've got three words for you in the Bible, in the New International Version of the Bible. You've got to rank them in the number of times they appear. And uh, again, this is one of those dubious rhyming words. Um, we're really starting to get into the, does that really rhyme? So we might have to find another theme that unifies three words. But um, this week's words are rock, knock, and walk. <laughs> so, as in, as in the frying pan. No, as in, <laughs> I walk outside <laughs> in the park. Yes. <laughs> mm. W-A-L-K. So yeah, walk would definitely rhyme better. Um, but uh, the website, uh, the rhyming dictionary website suggested walk would be an appropriate okay. and an acceptable rhyming word for rock. So uh, okay. I'll let you decide, Kieran, if that's a real rhyme. But uh, either way, the words are rock, knock and walk. And you've got to rank them in the number of times they appear in the Bible. What do you think? Well, people do a lot of walking in the Bible, Michael. They do mm. walk an awful lot, it being mm. the main, well, uh, one of the main methods of transportation <laughs> in yeah, the true. Bible times. So I think walk might be top. Mm -hmm. And then I think rock is probably going to be fairly frequent too. Mm. Well, not super frequent, but there are quite a few notable mentions to of rocks. Mm. Um, and then knock, probably last. I stand yeah. at the door and knock. That's the only scripture with knock in it that I can think of. <laughs> so. <laughs> what about ask, seek, knock? Oh, yeah. Great. Two then. Uh, it's still, <laughs> still at the bottom for me. So, uh, yeah. So... Whatever I just said, that order. <laughs> so from top to bottom, you're going for walk, rock, knock. Is that right? Yes. Cool. Yes. All right. Let's take a look and see if you are correct. Oh, oh, yes. Clean yes. sweep this week, Kieran. Clean sweep. Nice. Um, yes, you're right. Walk was the most with 129 mentions in the NIV. Rock was not too far behind with 106. And then knock a paltry three. So uh, mm. you were correct. Oh, what's the other one? I wonder. <laughs> We've got two in the Michael. What's the third <laughs> one for, for knock? I wonder. Mm, I'll have to look that up. Uh, absolutely. If you know listeners, you can uh, you can find us at Holy Half Hour on social media and let us know where the third <laughs> instance of knock is. <laughs> nice. Bible facts coming at ya with some Bible facts. Michael and Kiaran with some Bible facts coming at ya with some Bible facts. Michael and Kiaran with some Bible facts. Okay, Kieran, as you said, it's uh, the 33rd book of the Bible that we're on today. And I'm really excited to hear what you've got for us in by way of a Bible fact from the book of Micah. So what you got, friend? Yeah, man. So we are halfway through, as I've mentioned probably too many times in this episode, we're halfway through our, our quest to uh, find an interesting fact about all the books of the Bible. So we are on number 33. Um, and this week it's Micah. 
Uh, Micah is one of the minor prophets. Um, he was a contemporary of Hosea and Isaiah, who we've already covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little name drop there. Some familiar <laughs> names. Um, and, and much like, I would say, many of the minor prophets, um, Micah has a simple message. Uh, essentially, both Israel and Judea uh, are going to be invaded. They're going to be conquered as a consequence, partly of, of them, as a consequence of them turning from the Lord. Mm. Um, and so they will experience uh, God's judgment in that sense, but God will ultimately bring them back to him and, and restore them. Uh, and this will find ultimate fulfillment in, in uh, the establishment of a righteous king over God's people. Guess who that's going to be? We'll tell you in about seven weeks' time. Um, but I wanted to focus on a, a particular well-known passage from Micah, Michael. Actually, I'm not going to read just that verse. Just I'm not going to just read the famous verse. I'm going to read Micah 6, verses 6 through 8, just to give mm-hmm. a little bit of context here. Um, and those verses say, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old, will the Lord be pleased? With thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And of course, it's that act, justly, love mercy, walk humbly that uh, I'm sure will be very familiar, particularly Mm. to many of our listeners. So I wanted to focus on that for two reasons, Michael. Um, The first uh, is because the call to act um, justly is uh, to work for justice, you know, is is Mm. an ongoing call, really. Um, And I think that's particularly relevant right now, because as we record this, we are exactly a year out from uh, the death of George Floyd. Yeah. Um, And so this is just a day where I felt particularly conscious that we are, you know, still very far away from the dream of a just society. Yeah. um, Where where all people are treated as they deserve to be treated. Uh, People who are made in the image of God. Mm. um, We're still a long way from that. Mm. Um, So that's the first reason. And and the second reason, uh, the second part I wanted to highlight from this passage uh, is that phrase, walk humbly with your God, because uh, we are called to walk humbly in in our pursuit of justice. And I find Mm. that reminder helpful, especially right now on a day like today, thinking about what happened to George Floyd, thinking about what happened to others who have been unjustly killed uh, Mm. or, or persecuted or marginalized really in any way. Um, mm. I find it a helpful reminder to walk humbly because I find it very easy for my anger at injustice to tip over into self-righteousness, you know, mm. for me to think that I'm better than other people, um, you know. Uh, but but in this, I think we're called to take our lead from Jesus. Mm. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8, Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Mm. Jesus had more right than anyone in human history to feel superior. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. He served. Yeah. He did speak out against injustice 
And there are many examples of, in scripture of Jesus upsetting a lot of people <laughs> by being willing to speak out against injustice and, and quite rightly. Um, but I think it's very beautiful and very moving to consider that he always went as a, as a servant to others, you know. Mm, yeah. um, there were times where he spoke very harshly against the injustice that he saw in a way that would, would shock people, in a way that might shock some Christians, actually, yeah. um, in our contemporary Western society. Um, but he also always went as a servant, not yeah. thinking of himself as, as better than others. And I think just holding those two things together... Um, obviously I haven't touched on love mercy which is a whole other beautiful thing <laughs> yeah. that I'm, I'm not going to unpack here but those two yeah. things to act justly and to walk humbly I just felt that was an interesting contrast you know the thought of holding those two things in in balance what do you think yeah, yeah absolutely man I think that's great and thank you for sharing I don't really have much to add to that um, I think it's really important Micah is a beautiful book you know, that is advocating for justice and that shows God's desire for us to be those that, that work for justice. Like you said, I think I don't want to add anything to what you said, but another aside kind of thing, just a, as a kind of interesting synergy um, with Micah and this subject uh, and this theme of Micah is uh, the other famous Micah verse in my mind is Micah 4.4. And that's partly because of Hamilton, the musical, um, Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen it or watched it, Kieran, but um, I Hamilton's not. A, is an incredible musical. And uh, obviously it's about, you know, the founding fathers and, and how America came to be. But it's, it's cast with, you know, entirely, you know, a, a very diverse cast of, of people of color and from different ethnicities and people who at the time of the story that they're telling would have been, you know, second class at best citizens, if not you know, no class citizens at all. Mm. And um, at one point, the the actor who plays George Washington sin, sings Micah 4-4 that says, uh, um, everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree and no one will make them afraid. And that that's mm. his desire for the nation that they're building. And, um, and I think that that's really a powerful reminder, you know, Mm. Um, there's, I could, I could wax lyrical for days about why I think Hamilton is fantastic, but, um, you know, to have, to have a black person on stage portraying George Washington saying that the desire for the nation of America, and we know by extension through the Bible, the desire for all nations, not trying to single out America is that everyone will sit under their own vine and their own fig tree everyone will have their own space their own safety and no one will make them afraid for the lord almighty has spoken micah 4 4 finishes you know that's god's desire for this world and that is not the world we live in not everyone mm -hmm. has their own vine or everyone has their own fig tree and there are certainly many people out there who are made to feel afraid um yeah and that is is not okay the lord god almighty has spoken that is not okay. Mm. So yeah, it's mm. powerful. Thank you for what you shared. And uh, I think Micah is, is, is a very relevant book for us today. Mm, absolutely. No, I appreciate your thoughts there, bro. Thank you. Bible facts. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all we can squeeze into this week's episode of Holy Half Hour. We are really appreciative that you have joined us. 
Uh, we thank you to all those who have gotten in touch. We thank you to all those who have shared the show with their friends. We encourage you to keep doing so, so we can keep building this community. But uh, Kieran, thank you so much for all of your excellent work and your top level quizzing today. Very impressed. <laughs> well, what can I say, Michael? I, I was due, I guess. But excellent, <laughs> excellent quiz craft. So thank you. They were uh, that was a lot of fun today. Well, it seems like I might have to make them a bit harder next week, but uh, mm. we'll see what happens. Until then, I'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.